Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Shanghai Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Shanghai and QT with you like normal. Real fast before we jump into things with our guest, if you are looking for some pro wrestling, Tonight, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, FGW in Hamilton, Ohio, KEPW in Frankfort, Kentucky, EWAS in Melvindale, Michigan, Northeast All-Star Wrestling in Kingston, Massachusetts, and PWP in Omaha, Nebraska, tomorrow night. WTF in Fortville, Indiana, DCW in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, BMFX in Lafayette, Indiana, IWA East Coast in Charleston, West Virginia, AWR in Indianapolis, Indiana, River City Wrestling Convention in Jacksonville, Florida, SPW in Miami, Florida, Girl Fight in Charleston, West Virginia, FWF in Warsaw, Indiana, SPW in Carterville, Illinois, GCW in Jellicoe, Tennessee, PPW in Pelham, North Carolina, Metroplex Wrestling in Bedford, Texas, WPW in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Mission Pro Wrestling in Buda, Texas, and UWO in Midwest City, Oklahoma tomorrow. So make sure you find a show near you. Go support some local pro wrestling. And without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest for this afternoon. He is a ring announcer extraordinaire. He has been with Ohio Valley Wrestling. He's been with IWA Mid-South. Kevin Cordell, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. And we welcome you to our show. Thanks, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Well, since today happens to be your very first time with us, I'm going to start you out with our traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of pro wrestling? Oh, my Lord. Um, A little bit of a crazy story, but um, I was living in Louisville, Kentucky, and me and my college brother, David Eubanks, on a whim, and this was – oh gosh, six, seven years back, decided to start a podcast um, called Talk in the Business. And I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. He had been too. But we wanted to do something different. And our whole thing was, you know, we didn't talk wrestling. We told stories. And this little bitty show that I think the first show we had maybe had 35 listens. Two years later, we have DJ Hyde on the show from CZW, and we have, I think it was 10,000 listens in seven different countries. 
and we were mind blown. Out of that, I, on a whim, I wanted to try to see if I could do it. I wanted to see if I could get in the wrestling business. So IWA Mid-South was having a tryout, and the day before the tryout, I got a call from Randy Royal, who is a um, was a longtime developmental wrestler for WWE and at OVW and stayed OVW for many, many years. And he was a regular on our show. We had a segment with him. And he just – he called me out of the blue and goes, kid, you're on TV tonight. I said, excuse me? He goes, well, you're on TV tonight. Randy, well, what do you mean? Well, you need to get down to the Davis Arena. Why? Well, you're the ring announcer tonight for OVW. You're joking, right? No, kid, get your butt there. I had two hours to get ready. <laughs> so dead serious, I run to the house, clean up, find a shirt and tie, and I go into the Davies Arena, which, you know, I have been at many a times, of course, never backstage, and um, yeah, I had about 45 minutes to prepare to learn how to ring it out, and was scared out of my mind, um, but thankfully, due to some amazing people that evening, um, I got through it, and for the next two and a half years, uh, you know, I learned my craft uh, at Ohio Valley Wrestling. Obviously, Ohio Valley Wrestling goes back many, many years. It dates back nearly uh, 30 years, in fact. There's been a lot of people over the years that, have been ring announcer for OVW that are well-known in that area, that are very, very good at their craft. When you step into Davis Arena to ring announce for OVW with less than three hours' notice, was there an extra pressure on you knowing the history of OVW and who had preceded you? Well, I mean, if you've never walked into the Davies Arena, um, just kind of try to visualize it. You walk in the door, and on both sides of the wall as you go towards the ticket area where you purchase your tickets, there's nothing but these hand-drawn pictures of all the talent that has gone through there through the years. So you're literally passing these pictures of – CM Punk and, and Cena and Brock and Sheldon Benjamin and on and on and on and on and on. Batista, you, you know, you can go on a million names. And it's very – I'm trying to find the right word. It's awe-inspiring, to be honest with you. Now, saying that, take that, and when you step in that ring for the very first time, and you know this is where John Cena took his first bump. This is where CM Punk really honed his WWE style there. And, you know, John Moore and all that, now it's at a whole other level. Uh, and it, intimidating, inspiring, you can use a million words. But at the same time, the fans of Ohio Valley Wrestling are some of the greatest fans you will ever meet. 
and they knew me because I was a fan. For the you know previous two years, I was there every Wednesday night, and you know they watched me grow. And as intimidating as it could be, their support along the lines of you know my first night there, I went into Danny Davis's office and he was so kind because he knew here was this kid who was just completely over his head, you know, and that night I really, a lot of people, if you really want to talk about independent wrestling, um, XPW being pretty much the West coast version of ECW. A lot of people don't know this, but Ron head was the announcer at XPW and he was given an opportunity to leave California to move to Louisville to become one of the announcers for Ohio Valley Wrestling. It was there for 17 years. Ron was such a huge influence on me. And the way that he taught me that evening and the way he worked with me, it was, uh, man, you know what? It made all those nerves go away. And then they really helped me learn the craft of it from that point. Now, you have ring announced for a lot of very, very well-known people in the wrestling business, uh, having a chance to work at some pretty prominent independent promotions means you're going to come across people that have some notoriety. Who would you say are some of the people that when you got the chance to announce them to the ring made you kind of notice, hey, I'm here with this guy in the same ring working for the same company? Wow. Um, You know what? That would be a really long list. Um, I'm going to try to just off the top of my head, there's a couple in particular that meant maybe a lot to me. Um, The first time I got to announce for Tracy's mothers, and and Tracy, we miss you. God bless you, brother. Um, That was – wow. You know, it was uh, awe-inspiring. Um, and Tracy was one of the kindest, gentlest men I've ever met. And uh, that was amazing. Dutch Mantel. Um, I, the first time I got to announce for Dutch, I remember him afterwards. He was managing Manny Fernandez that evening. And when Dutch Mantel pulled me to the side and goes, kid, you all right? Dutch Mantel just told me I was good. Yeah, I could have just passed out at that point. (laughs) Um, That blew my mind. And then I guess the other one that really did it for me was, and because I was such a huge fan of his, Jimmy Jacobs. Um, Creatively, you know, Jimmy's probably one of the most prominent creative minds in the industry over the past 25 years. I think that's safe to say. Uh, whether you want to go back to his work at Ring of Honor with Age of the Fall and, and him and Tyler Black or as a producer and a writer in WWE and the whole list of Jericho with Kevin Owens and now what he's doing with the knockout division in Impact Wrestling, Jimmy's 
just insanely talented. And I had done a seminar with him, and the seminar was based off doing promos. So it's me and 30 guys, wrestlers in the ring. And everyone's cutting promos, and Jimmy's sitting there going, ah, oh, this is what Hunter would say. Ah, oh, this is what Vince would say. Ah, oh, this is what Stephanie or Bruce would say. And I'm a ring announcer. I don't cut promos. So it's coming up to me, and I'm going, what in the world am I going to do here? So I get up, and I cut a promo. And from what I can say, that promo was from the heart. And Jimmy Jacobs looks at me and goes, all right, next. I was the only person he did not critique that day. And I thought my heart was going to jump out of my chest. <laughs> and that's being really legit. But, you know, those three in particular, their pat on the back, their belief in what I could do or acknowledgement of what I could do, I know meant the world to me. Now, you also, of course, work with people on the independent level that you may or may not have even heard of before you get to the building. That's just the nature of independent pro wrestling. I'm sure over the years when people had a particular way they wanted to be announced, some of them caught you off guard as being a little bit stranger than most. What would you say has been the strangest ring introduction anyone ever wanted from you? Oh, gosh, the strangest. Hmm. How about I do this? How about the most intimidating? All right. So here's a great story. Um, I had met Sammy Callahan through – the first time I met Sammy was at the IWA Mid-South's 20th anniversary show. And now at the time, he had just left WWE, and he had started Wrestling Revolver, um, which is one of the – obviously the top independent promotions in the U.S. now. And I had met him, really nice guy. So – I get the opportunity to ring announce for him at IWA Mid-South. Now, again, being an independent fan, obviously a big fan of Sammy's, very nervous that evening about introducing him. Now, if you've never watched an IWA Mid-South show, with the exception of Philadelphia, they are the most savage fans you will ever meet in your life. If you mess up, you're going to hear it. They will not let you forget. And, you know, along with CZW, Sammy made his name at IWA Mid-South. Um, so I was extremely intimidated that evening. So that evening, I had gone over the introduction with him, and I was extremely nervous not to mess it up. But I knew, you know, I had faith in myself. So that evening, I start to cut the promo. Or I shouldn't say the promo, the introduction. And I go into this deep bass voice and, you know, Sammy Callahan, the killer death machine. And I go into thumbs up. And next thing I know, Sammy Callahan's right behind me. And he is staring me down and he is in complete Sammy Callahan mode. I about poop my pants. Grabs the mic from me. Looks me dead in the eye. Then looks at the crowd and goes, thumbs down. Okay, I'm getting out of the room because I don't know if I messed my pants. 
I was that scared. So how's that for a funny story? <laughs> That's definitely a unique one. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy, and I love Sammy all to death. But that night, he scared the living hell out of me. No doubt about it. Uh, you also have been in some pretty historical uh, wrestling venues. You mentioned the Davis Arena, which uh, this is the newer uh, venue that Ohio Valley has had. They were in previous venues, but uh, the current one saw people like John Cena and Batista and Mark Henry all wrestle in it. Uh, you've mm-hmm. been to the arena there in Jeffersonville for IWA Mid-South, which has seen scores and scores of legendary names in wrestling. Everybody has that one venue that is particularly uh, very uh, nice for them to go in and perform because of whatever reason they have, be it the aesthetics, <laughs> atmosphere, whatever. What is your own personal favorite venue? Wow. Um, honestly, I'm going to say there's two. Um, one is the arena. And, and I say that because, again, those IWA fans, they are so passionate. And, you know, as a performer, let's say you go in and you miss a spot. They're going to pretty much stop the match by screaming, you effed up. And they're on you. As a ring announcer, it can be 20 times worse. They expect the best because, you know what, they've seen the best over the past 25 years. No questions asked. Those fans, though, always been so loving and so welcoming to me. And that always meant so much to me. And, of course, uh, the Ted Petty Invitational that I got to do was there, and that will always be something that I hold very close to my heart. But I also say, you know, Innovate Pro Wrestling, which a lot of people know is or used to be NWA Smoky Mountain, um, Kingsport, Tennessee, Tony Givens, I. Uh, some of the moments I had there with those fans, uh, you know, they packed that place out. We're talking three, four, five hundred fans I've seen in that place. And I've had the opportunity to ring it out for an NWA heavyweight championship match with Dick Aldis. Um, those type of moments. Or an Al Snow. Um, or, you know, a Chase Owens uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um those type of moments I can never forget because those fans were awesome. And what I mean, what I mean, awesome. Imagine this: the show's over, and I'm getting to spend a few minutes with Ricky Morton. I mean, as a wrestling fan, who wouldn't cherish that moment, right? You'd love it, right? I'm sitting next to Ricky Morton. Someone comes over and asks for my autograph. Okay, hold on. I'm standing next to Ricky Morton, but you come over and ask for my autograph. That's pretty mind-blowing. 
I mean, what else could you even say? The really old time veterans would say that'd be five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right about that. <laughs> Now, one of the things that has been very popular since the dawn of pro wrestling is the Battle Royal. It's a staple on many, many shows, but as a ring announcer, it can present a wide assortment of difficulty in order to uh, do that match properly. You have depending on the way the promoter wants you to handle it, uh, introductions of the people entering the ring. Oftentimes, they will have you announce who has been eliminated, so you have to pay strict attention to everyone in the ring, and usually there's 10 to 20 people to keep track of at any point. It can be a very challenging thing for a ring announcer. What's your opinion, if you have one, on how to do a battle royal successfully as the ring announcer? Well, I mean, with the battle royal, you just kind of built, oh gosh, you sit yourself down and you know that for the next hour, you better not take your eyes off the ring, okay? Um, one of the things about being a ring announcer that I don't think a lot of people understand is it's a lot like being a commentator in that I don't want to know the finish, I don't want to know who's going in and out. I don't want to know the story. And I say that because the crowd's going to react off my vocal tones. Yay for the baby face. Boo for the bad guy. If there is a surprise, a shock in my voice, that's only going to help the match and the crowd reaction even more, right? Saying that, when you, it's one thing when it's a 15-minute match, an indie match, or an eight-minute tape TV match, or even an eight-minute live TV match. There's one thing. But then let's say it's a battle royal of 30 people over an hour. Anybody would get tired, and there's a million chances to make mistakes. Saying that, it's also the most fun, especially if I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's winning. I don't know who's going to get tossed out first, second, or last. So being able to use my vocals to get the crowd riled up, in a lot of ways, battle royals are the most fun. I mean, think about this. Last five years, let's look at WWE and the Royal Rumble. What's probably the most, oh gosh, memorable moment of the last five years to the Royal Rumble? What would you say is the most memorable moment? Last five years. I would say the arrival of AJ Styles. Okay. I would say the arrival of Edge just three years ago. It's a surprise you know, participant. Both ways. You listen to the ring announcer that evening. There is complete shock in their voice. And you can get energy from that. And then you feel the crowd because the ring announcer is just as shocked as the crowd is. In their vocals. It's like, oh. And then you hear that crowd reaction. 
What's better than that? That's what we do for a living. That's, it's the most fun in the world. I frame the picture for the fans. The guys go tell the story. They paint the picture. All I'm doing is framing it. And if I frame it right, the crowd's going to love it. And there's nothing better than that. One of the other things that can be challenging for a ring announcer just because of the logistics being different for the most part is the outdoor shows, especially at this point in the year. You're going to see a lot more outdoor shows being ran all over the country. Oh, yeah. Do you do very many of the outdoor shows, and do you see – extra challenges when you have to ring announce outdoors as opposed to the more traditional indoor venue? Well, a lot of it depends on the company. And what I mean by that is if let's say it's a higher end indie show that is on a fight TV or an IWTV and you're live. Yeah. It it brings out a whole nother, um, you know, the humidity, the heat, staying focused, and then what a lot of people don't realize is a ring announcer's job is not just a ring announcer's job. Yes, I ring it out. But for an indie promotion, I'm also the host for the evening. I'm welcoming the fans. I'm sending them home. I'm putting over sponsors. I'm talking during intermission. I'm putting over the merchandising and where to buy your popcorn or your drinks or your beer. Or It doesn't stop. There is no such thing as an intermission for you. You're the host for the evening. Now, take that outdoors for a three-hour show in 90-degree heat and a certain time. Yeah, big, big challenge. Now, take that to another level, and let's say it's a hardcore show or a Deathmatch show. Not only do you have all the other things I just said, now you want to make sure that you're nowhere near the action so you don't get cut. On top of everything else. Plus trying to make sure that everyone's living during the show. Nobody's getting overly hurt. Yeah, you're ready for a good five hour and a half after the end of that show, I guarantee you. One of the other types of shows that has been very, very popular, especially on the independent circuit in the last 10, 15 years, is the benefit show of professional wrestling can be used to raise funds for any number of things that require a benefit, be it uh, someone that has been sick or injured within the wrestling industry be it a fan that has become ill and needs help, be it for a charitable cause like the uh, local fire department or schools or what have you, but they are very, very plentiful. Did you do very many ring announcing jobs on benefit shows, and did those pose any additional assignments on top of what you normally would do? Um, uh, the answer to the question, yes, I, I, I've done many benefit shows and things as such. Um, I think the toughest part is, is 
yes, you have the job for the evening, and you're usually the host and, and a million other things. But I don't think what a lot of people realize is the emotion. And uh, I'll, I'll speak about it real briefly because I know it's going to tear me up. Matt Capitelli. Um, for those who don't know Matt, uh, obviously uh, was a – I guess better known for being on Tough Enough, and uh, he was a trainer at uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling for many years. Uh, Matt, unfortunately, passed away uh, due to cancer. He had beaten it once, and unfortunately, the second time around, that didn't happen. The benefit show that we held at the Davies Arena to this day I remember it for a few reasons. First of all, it was my first time ever doing commentary. So I'm going to do commentary for someone who I loved and respected as a man. And Matt Cavatelli is one of the greatest men I've ever met. So there's a great emotion behind it. On top of that, that evening, the likes of a Jim Cornette, a John Morrison, a Jeff Jarrett, and all these people that came to pay their respects to Matt. You can't mess up. You have to nail it, and you nail it for that person. So those types of shows, especially if you know the person or the emotions that go into that evening are I, – I, Another world is the only way to explain it. Well, at this point in time, my co-host QT Vokes is standing by. I know he has questions for you as well, so I'm going to pass things over to him. All right, QT. How's it going this evening? Well, uh, hello, Kevin. Uh, It's going pretty good. Uh, We're finally getting uh, some much-needed rain in Washington. (laughs) Yes. That's good, though. Oh, yes. Yes, we've got a a dry spell here. Well, Kevin, time travel is often a subject on this show. Would you prefer the 20th century to be an announcer, or would you go to the decade of 2000 to 2010? Oh, wow. Um, You know, that's a great question. Man, I guess if I could go back and do it, it would be 2000 to 2010, and I say that for a few reasons. Um, To me, the best ring announcer walking the face of the planet right now is Bobby Cruz uh, from Ring of Honor, and Bobby's work uh, in the past 19, 20 years with Ring of Honor has been absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know if anybody that creates a buzz and a big match feel like Bobby Cruz does when he gets into the ring. Man, to be able to go back in that time period and you and watch where independent wrestling was and where it ended up by 2010, that would have been so much fun to be a part of. Uh, whether it be the growth of something like a PWG out in California, watching CZW hit hits, you know, its peak. Um, you know, the Second City Saints just roaming around in Cabana and Punk, and man, the amount of talent back then, that would have been a blast. 
Well, I uh, was going to ask, I, w- I was going to guess, Kevin, that you would prefer, you would have preferred to go back to the 70s before the internet, but when skateboarding mm-hmm. finally broke. That was my thing. I tell you what, if there was one person I could have ring announced for that I would have loved to, and he probably would have scared the living hell out of me. Um, I fell in love with wrestling because of Stan Hansen. And I, I, I think back at how much fun it would have been in the early 80s to be a ring announcer for like an AWA or a world class. 70,000 people in Dallas or working at the Sportatorium and to be able to work with a gentleman, Chris Adams, or, uh, oh, gosh, that would have been so much fun. Uh, Gary Hart. Um, gosh, that would have been a blast. What if you could have gone back into the uh, mid to late 70s when a young Roddy Roddy Piper was making his debut, like in Portland, Oregon? How would that have affected you? I, you know what? The Oregon scene doesn't get enough respect. The Washington, Oregon scene, I mean, and you guys know, it was just, what, three, four years ago? Think about the matches that Shane Strickland and Darby Allen had up in that area. They were amazing. Mind-blowing. I, to this day, I will say that area does not get half the respect that it deserves. You know, people talk about the Midwest scene. And, yeah, you know what? There's been some amazing talent that's come out of the Midwest recently, even the Northeast scene. But if you really look at some of the shows and some of the talent that's come out of that Washington, Oregon, really amazing talent, really good stuff. Oh, it's been huge. Like Playboy Buddy Rose got to start here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, Kevin, my wrestling sources in Shelton, Washington, have told me that you went to Spartanburg Methodist College. My question is, did you belong to a fraternity that was like the one in Animal House with John Belushi, <laughs> Dean Vernon Raymond? I wish I had. <laughs> How's that? That would have made it even that much wilder. Um, no, um, to be honest with you, uh, I didn't. <laughs> Saying that, um, one thing that was going around in the Carolinas at that time was the music scene. And there was this really, really, really bad, horrible band out of the University of South Carolina called Hootie and the Blowfish. They had a pretty decent lead singer, and the rest of the band really stunk. And I joke around about that a lot, but because of that music scene, there was a band out of Philadelphia that came down called the Bloodhound Gang uh, that I got to meet and eventually become friends with. And due to them, we would be sent uh, VHS tapes of Eastern Championship Wrestling that aired on Saturday nights at 10 p.m. in Philadelphia. And I cannot mm. think to this day Jimmy Pop and Evil Jared enough for introducing me to Eastern Championship Wrestling, which, of course, became ECW. Oh, and that wow. Was okay. the time I was in college, so. Oh, okay. I, I just asked that question 
because I wanted to know if someone uh, was asked you about a pledge pen you were wearing. <laughs> yes. No, no, I haven't been. I've been asked a lot of things in life. Not been asked that one. So. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Kevin, you mentioned Hootie and the Blowfish. Did you know that the mouth of the South Jimmy Hart belonged to a band called the Gentries, and they had a they had a top ten song called "Keep On Dancing." I did not. I knew the name of the band. I did not know they had a top ten song. No, I did not. I know that's how him and Holt became strong, if I'm correct. To do Holt had his own band at the time, also, if I'm correct. Yes, the the Hulk was a a bass player. Yes, yes. Uh, but I, uh, they, uh, Jimmy Hart may have uh, connected with Hogan over music. I'm not sure about that. But uh, Jimmy was in a, in a band called the Gentries. Yes, in the 60s. Wow, wow. I don't think people understand the uh, the connection between music and wrestling and how strong it is. Um, I'll give you a great example. Another band that I was fortunate enough to hang out with was a band called Stuck Mojo. Now, if you remember back in WCW, they had a video that reached MTV called Rising that Diamond Dallas Page and the entire WCW crew were, they did the entire video. You go, well, Kevin, why is that important? Well, you guys listen, I'm sure, to Stuck Mojo all the time now because take off their lead singer and add Chris Jericho. Stuck Mojo is Fozzie. Oh, okay. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, a lot of people don't know that. Um, Mark Arm is an amazing, amazing guitarist and, and creator of music. And uh, once Jeff Mojo stopped playing together, you know, they got together with Jericho. They met them down in Atlanta. And now I think, what is it? I mean, could you watch a AEW show and not wait for Judas to come on and to listen to the crowd sing it? Well, like, to the show. Hmm. Wow. Well, I, I, when you sit, when you bring this up, uh, and Chris Jericho, a seminal moment in WWE history, or at least for me, was when ZZ posted Monday Night Raw, and Chris Jericho met met uh, uh, Dusty Hill and uh, Gibbons backstage. ZZ Top, I really have liked your music through the years. Maybe you've heard of my band, Fozzy, and they both got puzzled looks on their faces. <laughs> very, 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 very true. And yeah. if I remember correctly, Jimmy Jacobs actually wrote that. Oh. At that time, did. Jimmy Jacobs was writing, I would say, 95% of the stuff for Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Oh, okay. Wow. Boy. Okay. Well, Fozzie still continues to tour today, don't they? Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yes. And if you've never seen him live, I cannot. They put on a hell of a show. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Always a lot of fun. Okay. Wow. Well, uh, Kevin, when Randy made that call to you, that first call, as a representative for Ohio Valley Wrestling, did he call collect? 
<laughs> well, no, Randy, if you're listening to this, that's really funny. No, he probably had a cigar in his mouth <laughs> and uh, a beer in the other. Um, but no, he did not call collect. He was not Jim Cornette. Oh, I had to throw in that Jim Cornette joke in there. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Jim, wow. love you. I've had dinner with Jim on many of occasions. Um, I, I cannot – to me, he has always been the nicest guy. I, I, I cannot say a bad word about him because he's always been extremely nice to me. And everyone hears the Jim Cornette stories and, and things as such, but I will always say this. He has always been stupid nice to me, and I can't thank him enough for that. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Okay. Okay. Well, brilliant Kevin, mind. like or dislike, he is a brilliant mind. I, I would definitely give him that. Okay. Very good. Brilliant. Okay. Well, Kevin, you mentioned to Sign Guy all the photographs of the wrestlers that have gone through Ohio Valley Wrestling. Do you know if Randy, the, the, the Viper, Randy Orton, got his start at Ohio Valley? Actually, um, yes, I did know that. And a lot of people don't realize or maybe remember that there was also this 19-year-old kid whose dad was a wrestler who really kind of honed his craft there. His name was Cody Rhodes. Oh, yes. And a lot of people have forgotten about that. Hmm. And you, and you wow. look at where Cody's at now and things of the stuff and how he's – we're not even talking about the entering stuff where let, I think it's fair to say he's one of the top five storytellers in the ring there is in the industry right now. I think it's fair. Saying that, look at him as an entrepreneur, as a businessman. Well, you don't Would think you, that – Learning from Jim Cornette and Danny Davis and Paul Heyman and some of the people that were down there at that time, that didn't have a huge influence in it? I'm sure it le led to many entrepreneurial skills, yes. Most definitely. Kind of like uh, Gene Simmons. He, he's a businessman also. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yes. Well, yes. I, I, I think you know what that's something a lot of fans don't understand is that a wrestler is their own business. They sell a product. Now, the companies purchase the product to give to their fans. But at the end of the day, you are your own business. And yes. how you portray your business and the quality of the product is on you. Yes, that's why Gene Simmons says Kiss is a rock and roll brand first and a band second. Mm -hmm. That's what he said. Yes. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, I, you know, being really honest, um, you know, I was lucky enough to book a company uh, called Bandit Wrestling out of Knoxville, Tennessee for four years. And if you look at the talent that came through Bandit Wrestling, from Ethan Pages, MJF, uh, Donovan Dijakovic's, JT Dunn's, um, legendary Larry D's from Impact Wrestling, Fred Yehi from Ring of Honor, and I could go on and on and on. 
I, you know, Jeff Cobbs. You, if you spend time with these guys, you really have an understanding that they are their own business. And the ones that get it are really the most successful ones, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. Yes. Huh. Okay. It's a different way of looking at things. People don't think of it that way. You know, but if someone purchases your product to give to their fans, okay, and let's say they tell you to change the product and you don't believe in it, at the end of the day, you are your own business. Okay, great example over the past 10 years, Dalton Castle. Ring of Honor believed in his product. They gave the product to their fans. Ten years ago, was anybody talking about Dalton Castle? No. Not that I know of. No. Ring of Honor saw a business, a product that they could give to their fans. And what a ten year run because of it. But he believed in his product. He believed in his business. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes products come along at exactly the right time. I remember in the late 70s, someone uh, put a a rock in a box and sold it at supermarkets called Pet Rocks. And people bought millions of those things. And the Pet Mm -hmm. Rock in a box uh, came with a set of instructions how to care for your Pet Rock. It sold millions. (laughs) Yes. It it worked. (laughs) Listen, a great example, the Bushwhackers. And people go, Kevin, the Bushwhackers? is the Bushwhackers were in the 80s. If they came out tomorrow and you put them on AEW, could you imagine the ratings for a Bushwhackers versus Young Bucks match? Ooh, that'd be good. With the way that comedy wrestling is today. I don't mean comedy, humorous wrestling. I I hate to use the word comedy, but it's humorous wrestling. Okay, and characters. Like an Orange Cassidy. We know Orange Cassidy could wrestle. Okay, but let's be honest. His character, his business, it's comedic. Okay? As good as the Bushwhackers were in the ring with their comedic qualities, put them in the ring with the Young Bucks and let's see what those ratings are in 2021. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Some people would say they'd skyrocket. Some people would say middle of the road, in my opinion. Yes. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. I think it would go crazy because if you look at some of the comedic stars right now man they kill it people like that part and that's the thing is and that's the greatest thing about wrestling is especially today no matter what type of wrestling you like you can find it and it's pretty good quality you want 2010 indie wrestling watch AEW if you want a variation of British strong cell and Japanese strong cell watch NXT you want good sports entertainment? Watch back down on Friday night. You want a well, pure wrestling? Watch ROH. You want 70s and 80s Memphis? Watch NWA. Oh, okay. Yes, there are a lot of choices. Yes. I agree there. So whatever yes. you like, there's something out there for you. Okay. Okay. Well, Kevin, did you have a chance to see the movie Office Space, which featured... Rob Livingston and Jennifer Aniston? 
I honestly have never watched that movie. Oh, no. That led into some very good questions. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead and give me the questions. I'll do the best I can. Okay. Well, at one point – uh, these they this office had a had a manager called uh, Bill Lumberg, and he was the uh, nemesis of Rob Livingston, one of the main actors. Well, due to corporate uh, downsizing, Rob Lumberg had to meet with two office uh, efficiency experts, the two Bobs, and the two Bobs uh, interviewed all the employees of AnyTech where he lo- where they worked. Anytech. Okay. And then the two Bobs called in Bill Lumberg, and they were going over each employee, and they came across an employee named Samir Nadinajab. And uh, the two Bob, one of the two Bobs was uh, trying to pronounce the name to Bill Lumberg, and he was going, uh, now we came across an employee, Samir Nadinajab. Not going to work here anymore. (laughs) But my question was, did you ever come across a name like Samir Nadina Job, where you couldn't pronounce, and he said, oh, let's just get on with the match. Yeah, Um, probably the worst, honestly, and I feel bad to this day. And Miss Osaka, if you're hearing this, I apologize. But it was her, and for some reason, I could not get out the word Hosaka that evening. Um, my Chinese and Japanese is not the best. I make no bones about it. Um, you know, I have Lucha Libre wrestlers from Mexico. I don't like get scared about Japanese wrestlers. I boy, I will flip out about because I am so worried about messing up their names and not accenting it the proper way. And uh, that particular night, I couldn't get the word Hosaka out. And let me tell you, that was the first time I really ever messed up in front of an IWA crowd. And they pretty much buried my ass as I stepped out of the ring for it. Ooh. Yeah, that was a bad one. Okay. Well, we here at Turnbuckle Turmoil often assign homework assignments. And your homework assignment is to go on YouTube and look up the YouTube video, The Two Bobs and Samir Nadita Job at AnyTech. Okay. <laughs> I'll definitely have to check that out. And, if you, and you know what, to be honest with you, as a ring announcer, messing up a name or an introduction is, is obviously the worst fear. And uh, I like – a great example, Manny Fernandez. You have the privilege of being able to ring an ounce for Manny Fernandez. The one thing you don't want to do is mess it up. So you put you so doing? much pressure on yourself that there's actually a chance you're going to mess it up. And it's, it's, ah, uh, I'm so thankful to this day I did not. You know, or, you know, if, again, you know, some of the, I've been fortunate enough, some of the great indie legends, like a Nate Spiderweb. Honor. Privilege. Yeah. Just an absolute privilege. Great human being. You don't want to mess it up. It's no, no. You know, um, modern day wise. 
you know, get in front of an IWA crowd and mess up Mance Warner's introduction. They'll throw things at you. Ooh. You no, I wouldn't like to be facing the Indies right now. Man. Oh, boy. I wouldn't want things thrown at me, boy. No. Okay. No. But Mance Warner is the biggest baby face of the Indies right now. There is no doubt about it. Go mess up his introduction at AAW in front of 700 people. See what they do to you. There's a reason he is the champ there. Oh, okay. Holy smokes. Okay. All right. Well, Kevin, it was great talking with you. Um, look at that um, office space clip and report <laughs> back to Sun Guy. And okay. at this moment, I'm going to turn it back over to Sun Guy. Yes. Hey, enjoy it, Ben. Thank you. All right. Back to you, Sun Guy. Thank you, QT. Well, Kevin, we're down to the last few minutes in the program today, and I want to give you ample time. So if there's anything that you would like to say to the listeners, plug and promote anything and everything you would like, floor is yours. Oh, wow. Plug and promote. Um, You know what? I'm going to go a little bit different, and I'm not going to plug and promote as I want to say a thank you. Um, I have been blessed. Um in five years to work with some of the people that I've worked with, from the Nightmare Danny Davis, uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard, um, you know, a John Williams, Ian Rotten, uh, to learn from these people, uh, a Rip Rogers. Uh, I have been blessed on a level that a lot of, I've had so many opportunities that so many people have not had. And to be able to sit down and to learn from these people and to have an understanding of the art form that is professional wrestling. Um, <clears throat> a Dean Hill, a Dave Legata, uh, it, I, I can go on and on, a Jim Cornette, a Kenny Bolin. Um, who in five years gets those opportunities? Who in five years gets to learn from a Bob Evans and an Al Snow and meet Glenn Jacobs and pick his mind for a few minutes? And that's insane. No one does that in five years. But I did have that opportunity. I could sit down with a Jay Christian, Sammy Callahan, and have a conversation. And then to watch some of the young talent that I've been blessed to be able to work with and to watch them succeed. Um, you know, there's two people, there's three young men right now down in NXT. Two of them, you know, is MSK. One of them makes his debut, wink, wink, in the next few weeks. You guys know him as Blake Christian. Wait till you see this kid. To be able to work with young talent like that, blessed, I am beyond blessed. Um, so to the people that just had faith and worked with me, uh, Brent Herring, uh, again, a name you might not know, was Dusty's right-hand man down at FCW. For him to take the time to teach me and to critique me, a Chris Silvio, Devin Driscoll, for all the opportunities you gave me. Thank you. Uh, to my boys at the LOB, um, <clears throat> a name that you guys might know, Cash Flow, he's the heavyweight champion at OVW right now. What a lot of people don't know is he ran the very first training facility for IWA Mid-South and helped train a Chris Hero and a Colt Cabana. To be able to be friends, 
to learn from you, to all of you, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I cannot thank you enough. Kevin, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. We definitely enjoyed having you. Hopefully we'll get the opportunity to do this again down the road, and maybe our paths will cross at a show at some point in time, either out your way or out ours. But we definitely enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, you guys have been great. Uh, thank you for the platform to just to be able to tell my story a little bit. And, you know, if you're out there listening, you know, indie wrestling is the strongest it's ever been. Go out and look for the promotions. I, you know, I dare you. Look at IWA Mid-South right now. John Williams, Ian Rotten himself, will tell you the roster he has right now might be better than the roster he had back in 2002 when he had CM Punk and Jimmy Jacobs and Cash Flows and – Nate Webbs, and the roster he has now might even be better. Get on your IWTV, support indie wrestling, find what you love, and watch it. Thank you guys so much. I cannot thank you enough. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. And fans, like you said, get out there, support your local independent pro wrestling. Tons and tons of shows in the next couple of days, find one near you, and if you feel safe enough to do it, go out there and support them. Buy a ticket, buy some merchandise, keep them afloat. We will be back with you Sunday afternoon. We have two guests with us Sunday. We have Max Sterling and his manager slash partner, Pogo. It has been a long, long time since we've had Pogo on the show, so definitely tune in and join us then. Everybody continue to stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon.